From my last two sermons about prayer, can you remember what the titles were or the, the kind of the, the little message in each one? Can you remember what the titles were, the two sermons about prayer? What was the first one? Your prayer helps, isn't it? Your prayers help. Yeah. Your prayers help. What was the title or the message of the second sermon? You need the prayers of others. So not only do your prayers help, but you need the prayers of others. I heard you as well, Mike. And sometimes you need the prayers of many as well, which was a bit of an add-on. Now, I just want to... Well, actually, let's, uh, let's pick up where we left off last time. Ephesians chapter 6. Please get your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. First person to find it, not on your phone, on a real Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, put your hand up. May not, I saw you Jackie, but you've got one already. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, this, this is where we left off last time. Verse 18. He's told us about our responsibility as Christians and we've got this amazing spiritual armour. Then he says, therefore, and pray in the Spirit. Now, what did we say was the basic understanding of praying in the Spirit? Basically, it's your God-given ability to connect with God through the indwelling Holy Spirit who gives you access to the Father. So basically, the basic meaning of praying in the Spirit is basically you can do it because you've got the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who gives you access to the Father. So you come to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's that word all that gets mentioned quite a bit. All prayers, silent prayers, out loud prayers, on your own prayers with others, for yourself, for others, long prayers, short prayers, quick arrow prayers, well thought out prayers. Your prayers help. Now I wanted to start my message this morning by sharing how your prayers helped me. Remember I shared a couple of weeks ago about five or six scenarios where your prayers were definitely helping me. It got to the point where I couldn't deny anymore that God was definitely helping me through your prayers. Now, on Tuesday this week just gone, I had two scans booked, a CT scan at Blackheath, uh, sorry, at, uh, yeah, Blackheath Hospital and an MRI scan booked at Chelsford Hospital. Now, I'm an NHS patient being treated at private hospitals, which is nice. So, got there for the CT at Blackheath and I was sitting there quite like, I've got this, they're just scans. And then they give me a form to fill in that says, we're going to inject some dye into you. And these are the reactions that you can get. Can you sign this waiver, please? And all of a sudden, I, thought, I felt a bit more nervous than I was already. So that's when I got on the prayer WhatsApp and said, hello, church, feeling a bit nervous, can you pray for me? Well, thankfully, the, the CT scan went well and I didn't even have any of the uh, fleeting experiences that he said, you'll probably get this, you'll probably have a really bad need to go to wee, but don't worry, you won't go to wee. Um, you'll probably have tastes and things like that, but I didn't get any of that, so thank you for praying for me. But that's not really where I think your prayers help me, because I went home after the CT scan, and then at 5.30, I pedalled up on my bike to Blackheath, uh, sorry, to Chelsfield Hospital to have my MRI scan. But when I got there, the receptionist went, you're not on my list, I don't know who you are. And I said, you sure? So the other receptionist was checking as well. They were phoning around and checking, saying, there's no record of you having an MRI here. Have you, are you sure you got the right day? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Where's your letter? Oh, I left it at home. 
Then, remember how when I was in the ultrasound, I was at radiology in the Pru a couple of weeks earlier, and just as I was having the same scenario with the, with the receptionists, um, Stacy came along, who actually works in there. So Stacy came along and helped me out and rescued me. Well, guess what happened at Blackheath? No, it wasn't Stacy. That would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. But out of the corner of my eyes, I was talking to the receptionist, going, sorry, I saw a nurse coming towards us, and she was seeing a patient now, and I thought, oh, I recognise you. And so I said hello, and she said, and I pulled down my mask, so she hopefully would recognise me. She said, oh, hello, David. And she was the daughter of a lady who still goes to Bromley Common Baptist Church, our previous church. And she said to the receptionist, don't worry, I'll look after him. So she took me down to MRI, and the receptionist at MRI said, no, you're not on our list, but you're meant to be at Blackheath Hospital. I'd misread, the, I actually didn't even bother looking at the letter, and I thought everything was at Chelsford apart from the one. But apparently, no, I was meant to be, right time at 5.30, just wrong hospital. <laughs> so she tried to ring through Blackheath, got no reply, and so she said, the best I can do is I'll send them an email, you go home, and uh, they'll contact you with another appointment at a later date. And I thought, oh, how frustrating, I'd blown it. If only I'd read the letter properly. So I caught up with Sam for a few minutes, Sam the nurse, and then uh, she showed me out. And I went outside to ring Marie with my sad news, I'm coming home. And uh, unbeknown to me, Sam, the nurse, had a bit of a kind of a divine kind of thought, I think. She went in, she said, you know what, I'm going to ring up, try and ring up Blackheath myself and try and sort something out for David. So she rang them up and Blackheath said, okay, no worries, we'll wait for him. We'll hang around and we'll wait for him. And uh, meanwhile, I'm speaking to Marie quite a little bit sad. And I think, you know what, I'm going to ring up Blackheath outside the hospital. I'm going to ring up and just apologise. And so I rang up and they said, oh, are you David Wood? And I said, yeah. He said, well, we just know about you. We heard about you from Blackheath Hospital, sorry, Chelsford Hospital. Um, and we're going to hang on for you, if that's all right. I said, wow. I said, do you do realise I'm right at the other side of Orpington and I'm on my push bike? And, and it's 5.30 afterwards, 6 p.m. by now. Um, and it's total traffic. And they said, no, no, we'll wait. And I said, you realise it's going to take ages. I don't want you to wait around. And they said, well, how about you come and see us tomorrow instead? And so I thought, oh, thank goodness for that. I saw myself waiting ages, weeks for another appointment. And I don't think if it hadn't been for Sam being there and ringing through and sorting things out and paving the way, then I think I would have had a more disappointing time. So I think, again... Very definitely, God put someone just there and to come out, not just working hospital, but to come out just at that moment and minister to me. So just thank you for your prayers. Your prayers are helping. Even during my folly, God is rescuing me because of your prayers. So, so thank you very much. All right. Right, where are we going? Okay, so with this in mind about your prayers helping, I want us to study how Jesus' prayers helped him and others. The passage is a miracle prayer, miracle sandwich. Okay? He feeds the 5,000, he prays all night, and then he walks on water. It's kind of a miracle prayer, miracle sandwich. Is it all right if we look at that this morning? Do you reckon Jesus' prayers helped? <laughs> yes. And I think his prayers are still helping, aren't they? He does say he's ever interceding for us. Jesus' prayers certainly help. So Mark chapter 6, I should have told you, shouldn't I? We're going to Mark, the book of Mark chapter 6, first person to find it, 
Stu? Okay. Well, the second person I think was Kevin. There we go. I've got nothing else here that's non-foodie, Jude. So. Oh. It is very wise, isn't it, from the busyness to come and sit at the feet of Jesus this morning. Okay, and it will not be taken from you, Jesus said. Mark 6, verse 30. The apostles, that's the disciples, gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Remember, he just sent them out on a mission trip, hadn't he? Don't take anything with you. Just go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, tell them about the kingdom of God. So they came back and told Jesus all they had done and taught. Now, this is fairly on in Jesus' ministry. Jesus had already shown that he and the Father choose to delegate their work to their followers, to their believers. Early on, I'm sending you out. This is the way of Jesus. It's the Christian lifestyle. Jesus said, so the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus still has things for you to do each day. Big things sometimes, quite often small things. But as part of your daily life, as a follower of Jesus, he's still sending you out, trusting you. Isn't that a bit hard to believe? But he does. Even Judas Iscariot was part of this group that was sent out to teach and represent Jesus, wasn't he? Nowadays, we might find that a little mind-boggling, that God, who knew he was going to betray him, would send someone out to represent him. And even for the Holy Spirit to work miracles and teachings through Judas Iscariot at that point. Isn't that mind-boggling? Don't let your past or your future discredit you from God working through you right now in the present. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past, doesn't matter what you might do in the, in the future. Don't let that discredit you from believing and trusting that God will work through you right now. If he worked through Jesus Iscariot, who he knew what he was going to do later on, he can still work through you. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus is not a mean taskmaster. He's not berating you all the time to do this and do that. Go with the gospel. You must, you must. If we listen, sometimes the instruction from Jesus is to rest. Come with me by yourself and rest. Verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw such a large crowd, he got the hump and said, oh no, not you again. (laughs) Does it say that? It says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Do you know it's God's nature to teach? A good parent teaches. They're a teacher, aren't they? Whether you like it or not, a good parent is a teacher. Now, God is the best parent, and it's his nature to teach. If you don't know something, it's his pleasure to teach you. Every day is an opportunity to learn from God. It should be common for you to realise that you have learnt something new each week 
from the Holy Spirit, who's your personal tutor. Remember, Jesus called him the teacher, didn't he? He will teach you. Verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy for themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. Do you think Jesus is teasing them when he said this, knowing full well that only he, the Son of God, could feed them? Do you reckon he's just being mean and going, oh, you do, yeah, boasting in a bit, watch what I'm going to do, but you do it. Do you think he's teasing them? Or do you think that Jesus knows that if they understood the goodness and the abundance of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit like he did, that they too could do what he was about to do? Even Judas? Yeah? Yeah. Let's hear the heart of Jesus here. Hear the startling truth that he's not showing off. Jesus wants them to realise that as beloved sons of God too, and daughters, they too have the capacity to expect God to work through them. And all those who would believe in Jesus and his message. After all, I think Dennis quoted from it earlier. In John 14, Jesus did say, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now it's your turn to continue it on, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And do you know what? This still happens today. I mean, we're looking at the feeding of the 5,000, aren't we? Do you know God still miraculously um, makes more of something that's there? I mean, we've had our own experience from Simon Rooksbury a couple of years ago. Eastern Europe, Europe driving the van for, well, half, by that point, it was about half full of uh, things, items, shoeboxes, and donations that it was going to take somewhere, and looking at it thinking, oh, there's just not enough there. Went to bed that night with the van keys on him, came back the next day, opened the van, it's full up again. Who did that? Well, we still believe in miracles, don't we? I've heard of other preachers, Heidi Baker, she feeds thousands of uh, children in Mozambique. And I think there were rebels preventing food from getting through. And they were down to their last few tins of beans and they still had thousands of kids to feed. And just miraculously, they just didn't empty. They just kept on spooning out. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Paul writes in his letter to Corinthians telling Christians that they should expect the Holy Spirit to do miracles and other wonderful gifts through them as the Holy Spirit wills, even you and I. And we are even, Paul says, to eagerly desire these wonderful gifts that the Holy Spirit will do through us, even miracles. Eagerly desire them. And as Christians, I think we're to expect our lives to be a series of awakenings, events and revelations and happenstances that just help us to wake up more and more to the goodness of God, the generosity of God, the now presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us, God. Our lives should be a kind of, a, a just a continuous, wow, God, wow, even then, wow. We shouldn't be the same Christian we were last year or even 10 years ago. It says in 2 Corinthians, we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus from glory to glory, an incremental kind of growth 
more and more like Jesus in every way. Just because you might struggle to understand the miracle working power of God this month doesn't mean you'll still feel like it next year. You might not feel the same way next year. You might be totally glory to glory when it comes to Jesus working in you and through you and for you. Who knows how much more we'll all be transformed from glory to glory as we awaken more to the call of Jesus in our lives. Verse 37. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. How are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them and eat? Now I worked out that if if we give everyone fish and chips, maybe if there's 5,000 men there, so women including the children, 10,000, fish and chips, £8.50 per portion, that's £85,000 we'd have to spend if we wanted to feed 10,000 people fish and chips. Verse 38. How many loaves do you have, Jesus said. He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them all to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. Why do you look up to heaven? Because that's where his father is, isn't it? Even though he's with him, Jesus said, Jesus also looked up. God can be in two places at once because of the Spirit. Okay, so he looked up to heaven. Where are we? He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So what does the story of the feeding of the 5,000 say to you? Nothing is impossible for God. Jesus doesn't just care about feeding our souls. He cares about your physical needs too. Perhaps this kind of heavenly generosity with the 12 baskets left over reminds you of the miracle of the wedding and the wine and the abundance of wine. I mean, that was just like extravagant, wasn't it? He is the God of too much. I think someone already said that during worship, didn't they? The God of too much. Yeah. We see the kindness of God that he sees, he cares and provides. And we see the way Jesus urged his disciples to come up with an answer, with a solution, suggests that Jesus wants you and I to think miraculously too. Not just to think kind of like, what what would we class it as? Sensibly? Or relatively? Or was it? Yeah. But to actually think miraculously. Because we're Christians, we're different. We're children of God, aren't we? We're born again, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, led by Jesus, our good shepherd. Now, interestingly, in the Gospel of John, John recalls that Jesus said, you feed them to Philip to test him. He said said that to Philip to test him. Now, the Bible assures us that God does not tempt us, but he does test us. When a teacher or a good parent tests their child... It's to see if they've grasped something. If they understand, if they're ready to move on to something else, the next level, more teaching. And Jesus tested Philip. And God tests us, not looking for us to fail, but to give us an opportunity to succeed, to move on. So the next time you're facing something that seems beyond you, something that maybe needs a miracle, 
something you could not imagine doing in your own strength. Maybe it's a test, an opportunity for you to trust Jesus and see the miraculous. Your prayers help, especially when they're filled with faith, the faith that God is good, the faith that God sees and knows and cares, the faith that God can do the impossible, the faith that Jesus actually wants to send us out and do those same things through us, whether you're being prayed for or whether you're praying for other people. Your prayers help, but I think they need to be filled with faith, don't they? Now, now Katie taught us this morning, it's not the size that counts, Jesus said. Perhaps it's the quality of our faith. What is our faith believing in? All right. Verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. Again, we see Jesus showing much concern for their physical and mental welfare. You've had a long day. We still didn't get to rest. You go on, I'll lock up. Kind of thing. You get some rest, I'll lock up. But we also find out that Jesus had another motive for sending his disciples away early. Why is that? Here's the answer, verse 46. After leaving them, you know, getting rid of the, dismissing the crowd, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now we know from scripture that, that time alone in prayer was so important to Jesus and part of his regular regime. And we know from this passage that he was praying alone with the Father from evening till early dawn or nearly dawn. So how long's that? Maybe six or eight hours, maybe more? It's a long time, isn't it, to, to pray. Now we also know when Jesus taught about prayer, he tells us that there must be times when we go somewhere on our own and pray to the Father who is in secret to lock our doors, lock our door behind us, and just us and the Father, me and you, he, or you and he, alone. Now, have you ever been frustrated that none of the Gospels tell us an incredible amount about what Jesus was doing when he went off on his own to pray? You ever, ever wish that, oh, I wish I knew what Jesus was saying and doing during those six or eight hours, or in the morning when he early went off and, and prayed? But do you know why we don't know? Because it was in secret. Jesus said, you need to go, into your father's, go and pray with your father in secret. And, of course, he was doing just exactly the same thing. There were times when Jesus had to go and pray in secret. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John don't know much about that because it was done in secret. So they can't tell us an awful lot about that. So, mystery solved. Yeah. Your prayers help. But I think what helps you the most and blesses your Father in heaven is your time of prayer in secret. All your prayers help. All kinds of prayers. All kinds of situations. Your prayers help. But I think the prayers that help you the most are those times when you're in prayer to the Father in secret. Just you and he. And maybe that's the kind of prayer where it's not just your voice being heard. But actually, you're hearing his voice too. It's a two-way conversation. Is anyone here? Should we sing Holy Spirit, you're welcome here? I don't know if that was the, the wind of the Spirit. No one's falling over though. Okay. All right. Is anyone here the main shopper of your family? Anyone here the main shopper? 
Okay. Val, I see you over there. Anyone else? Joan? I don't want to start knocking people out. There we go. Yoan. Steve? There's one left. Well, I'm the, I'm the main shopper of our family, and I quite like shopping because it's, 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 kind of, it's a bit of exercise. I ride my bike down to Tesco's. It's a bit of fresh air as well. I probably go shopping. We've got about, we've, well, we've got about, we've got four adults in our house and maybe three or four, five, sometimes little mouths as well to feed. So we don't do one big shop. We just couldn't store it anywhere. So we do mainly daily shopping, little bits. And I probably shop five out of seven days. Maybe six out of seven, but at least five out of seven days. And do you know how many hours I've spent in Tesco since being here at the Green? <laughs> well, I've been here three. Yeah. I have indeed, and they're redoing really some good deals at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. So I worked out. Say I spend twenty minutes each time in Tesco's times five days. All right. That's a week's worth, and then you times that by 52, and you times that by three. Do you know how many hours that works out as? Well, over the last three years, conservatively, because I might maybe spend more than 20 minutes sometimes, but I have spent 260 hours in Tesco's over the last three years. Impressive, eh? Where's, where's the time gone? And knowing that, knowing that I've spent 260 hours at least in Tesco's over the last three years, do you know how many names of the sales assistants and workers I know in Tesco's? No. You know me so well, Jude. None. How can that be possible? Did someone just go, what? Yeah, we can imagine if Caroline spent 260 hours <laughs> in Tesco's. Can you imagine? She'd know the size of their underwear and all sorts. <laughs> come I can spend 260 hours in Tesco's <clears throat> and not know anyone's names apart from me not being that friendly but because I go there to shop I go there to shop I go to get what I need and get out yeah I, but I do enjoy a little bit of shop though I do a bit enjoy a bit of browsing um, but <clears throat> I get what I need and go okay Here's such an important question for you to ask yourself and for me to ask myself as well. Why do you pray? Do you pray because you want something or do you pray because you want someone? Do you pray because you want something or do you pray because you want someone? Just like my hundreds of hours in Tesco's, no matter how much time you spend in prayer, if you are only ever going with a shopping list, you and your father are missing out. If you're a shopper, but not a stopper, your prayers may help change circumstances, but they won't change you. If you're a shopper, but not a stopper, your prayers will help and may help change circumstances, but they probably won't change you. Situations may change, but you'll stay the same. 
if you're no more Christ-like than you were five years ago, then it might be that you're more of a shopper than a stopper. I'm not saying that, but it's just that's an indicator perhaps. Prayer is primarily to be used by you to build up a relationship with God. A bit like a conversation of knowing, if you like. And within that ongoing fellowship, requests can be made and are actually encouraged. And it's this secret time of prayer with the Father that Jesus could not do without. Turn to Psalm 31 and we'll finish. King David was known to be a man of open and private prayer. And some of his prayers are written down in the Psalms. And most of his prayers are a mixture of praise and requests. They're full of honesty and even a smattering of complaints too. But there's one Psalm that's quite short and it's incredibly insightful and it's got no praise in it. No requests. It's Psalm 131. You ready? Did I? Right. When we go back and listen to the recording. Did I? Okay. I was going to say, I'm going to get you to give back your chocolates. If I was right. Sorry. Psalm 131. Beg your pardon. It says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Even though he was a king with a lot of important things going on, he said, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forever. No requests, no complaints, not even any praise in that psalm. Just a man and his God. An unweaned child, if you've ever met one, is so selfish. That's harsh to say, isn't it, but of a baby. But actually, a baby is so selfish. An unweaned baby doesn't know any better. Its only concern is me, me, me. I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm awake, I'm uncomfortable. Wah, wah, wah. And the baby does not care about you one bit. Is that true? It's sad, isn't it? It does not care about you one bit. Just give me, give me, give me. Yeah, a bit like a cat. <laughs> Says the cat owner from experience. Nothing like a dog. <clears throat> Have you ever watched an unweaned child, particularly a newborn, breastfeeding, <clears throat> breastfeeding or on the bottle, and suddenly they become detached? How long is it? How many seconds before they are screaming the house down? One, two seconds before. It's sheer panic, isn't it? It's a, ah, until they get put back on the breast or the bottle. An unweaned child. A weaned child begins to trust that mum or dad, whoever's looking after them, has their needs in hand. And they can enjoy the moment of their parents in their arms instead. And even an unweaned child even begins to enjoy the parents' behaviour and their joy. They want to see mummy's smile. They want to see mummy's happy. And then I'll kind of you know, reciprocate. 
My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Now, we don't know what Jesus was doing and saying that night when he was praying in secret. We can imagine he was blessing his father for what had just happened, feeding the 5,000. Wow, Father, that was wonderful. You're so generous. Twelve baskets left over. He was so, Jesus was so encouraged by that, he mentioned it later on, didn't he, disciples? Do you remember how many baskets were left over when we fed the 5,000? And when the 4,000? How many baskets? God is good. Um, and maybe Jesus was even marvelling over what his father was showing him he was about to do by walking on the water. Wow, no, surely. Walking on the water? But what we do know is he told us that like a weaned child with its mother, we too need to develop our secret prayer life with the Father. We know that your prayers help. Silent, out loud, short, long, arrow prayers, well thought out prayers. But ultimately, why are you praying? Does your prayer life reveal that you pray because you want something or because you want someone? Amen.